0: Uh, for those of you that are new or first time here, thank you for taking a chance on us and and, and joining us. Uh, My name is Prentice, I get Prentice Park, I get to privilege, uh, To be the pastor here, and I'm so glad uh, that you are here as we are uh, going through the book of Romans. Uh, And and we're kind of getting to the end of Romans, uh, which is really my favorite part because, as we talked about in several different weeks, uh, the first several chapters is about this theological understanding of of what Paul is saying. Uh, Here's what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, here's what it looks like to be the church. Uh, here's what God has to say about it. And we talk about unity, we talk about fellowship, uh, and then we get to the last few chapters about how that all connects and how we become the church, not just on Sunday mornings when we arrive uh, and enter the walls of this building, but who we become in our lives, in our work, in our homes, in our our schools, in our families. And so uh, I'm excited for us to kind of wind this down. We have one more week after today, uh, and then we'll get into Lent. It's already Lent. Easter's coming up, and, and we all know Easter's like the Super Bowl for churches. And so uh, we're excited to, to have you and your family and friends here. This morning, we're going to do a little something different. Uh, I'm going to uh, teach a little bit from the Scriptures, from chapter 15 uh, of Romans. Uh, and for those of you that know me, you're, you're doubting me right now because I'm saying it's going to be a little short little thing. Uh, And those of you that know me know that I can't speak for uh, less than an hour and a half. So if you're new, welcome. Uh, And and then after I'm done, we're just going to hear some stories uh, about how we at Bethany West Seattle, we do community, we do life. Together, so again, thank you for being here. Uh, you all survived the snow apocalypse. If you have children, uh, you probably had kids at home all week, two weeks ago, and last week, as we wind down midsummer or midwinter break, uh, and so you survived uh, and for many families right now they 're still traveling and still. Uh, enjoying every bit of break as they can. And so as we get started, uh, I'm going to read the passage for us. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, the word of the Lord this morning comes from Romans uh, chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you can go there. You can look on the screen if it'll go there. Uh, 15 verse 20 to 21, and the word of the Lord says this. Uh it, was always, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And we're going to unpack this. But I love what Paul says. It says, it's always been my ambition. Everything that I've done, everything that I've worked towards, the thing I want to do the most, the absolute most, is to preach the gospel For Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, and he's quoting something that uh, said in Isaiah the prophet, he says, rather it is written, again Isaiah, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will uh, understand. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for who you are and how you've brought us together to be your children. And God, as Paul teaches us, as you teach us through Paul this morning about what it looks like to love others, to invite people into a relationship with you, God, will you just give us the courage, will you give us the boldness to do just that, to hear from you in the ways that we need to be heard from you. We thank you and your name we pray. Amen. When I think about this verse, Paul is clearly saying, The thing that I want to do as a follower of Jesus, and what he's encouraging all of us to do, is to think about this. Yes, God has impacted your life. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you consider yourself that because you truly believe. You truly believe that God has blessed you, God has healed you, God has transformed you, God has given you a future hope, God promises you salvation. There's something within the deepest part of our souls that we call ourselves followers of Jesus because we truly believe that God has done something in our lives. And for those of you that, that don't identify as a Christian, that's okay, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, but I just want to tell you, God has been, will continue until the day you die, work in your life, whether you know it or not. And Paul is coming into this story in Rome and saying, I truly believe that God has done something to me. If you understand the life of Paul, Paul is a guy who would literally kill Christians. Literally kill Christians and yet in the midst of his, his life and his decisions, God was still working in his life. And for many of us who don't claim to be followers of Jesus because of this or that, or because I'm too bad, or because of the things that I've done, or because God couldn't love me, God couldn't forgive me, let's look at the life of Paul. Paul is saying this after he lived a life of killing and persecuting other Christians. And for many of us, we have a hard time following and loving God, and get this, not because we don't believe that God loves us, because many of us understand whether you're a Christian or not, there's a higher being, God, whatever you want to call it, it it loves us, and the universe is bigger than us. The problem is we have a hard time loving ourselves. And because we have a hard time loving ourselves, we have a hard time believing that a good and big and perfect God would love us. And what Paul is saying, if you know my life and the things that I've done, yet I can come to you with confidence knowing that I've been forgiven, transformed, and been given hope by the grace of God so that because of that good news, I can tell that and offer that and invite that to others. And so I want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to be reminded of why you are a follower of Jesus, because God has worked in your life, God has done something in your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, because of whatever it is, I just ask you to just ponder the question, could God through the person of Jesus be real? Could God, through the person of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his victory over death, pain, and defeat, could that God be working in your life right now? And my response to you is, yes. Now, I don't know the stories that you're bringing in here. I don't know the baggage that you bring in here because, well, I know that you have baggage. (laughs) Because we all do. And yet within all of that, I want to assure you and encourage you that God is a big God and loves you in the midst of that. And actually loves you because of that. And again in verse 20, it's always in my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has been known. And and Paul kind of goes through these verses that we'll go through uh, as to how that happens. And I remember when I was growing up, and I first committed my life to Jesus. Uh, it was in a winter camp in eighth grade, and, and for those of you that might be familiar with church traditions, it was a very quintessential classic uh, Southern Baptist church. Now, there's, I'm not knocking on it. Like it was, That's what it was. It was that's just the fact. Uh, and I remember after this winter camp, my youth pastor at the time said, for those of you that are Christians... We're going to do something unique this Sunday. Uh, and we're all wondering what it was. And, and he said, all of you, mind you, this was several years ago, will bring your, uh, this was the time of conversion between cassette tapes to CDs. And so he would say, bring all your secular music. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that word, uh, any music, any tapes, cassette tapes, or any CDs that don't sing about Jesus that aren't considered quote-unquote worship music or Christian music, uh, I want you to bring it on Sunday, and we're going to have a party. And I'm thinking, man, we're just going to like rock out to just like non-Christian music at church? What's happening? he's like, no, we're going to put it in a bag, and we're going to have these big hammers, and we're going to crush it. We're going to just break the CDs. It was a CD-breaking party. And I remember thinking uh, on the outside, yeah, you know, we don't need this in our lives. I remember on the inside, it's like, I don't want to give up this music. So, you know, that time came, and, you know, this is back in the 90s, and I was bringing, you know, I, you know, I, I love rap, hip-hop, I was bringing two, my two-box CDs, and I was bringing, you know, Biggie Small, and, and I was bringing all this stuff, and I'm like, man, but I don't want to break this, but now I'm, you know, I have this tension within me, because my youth pastor said, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to bring those CDs, and we need to crush it, and we need to get rid of it out of our lives. And, and I remember he would continue to do that, and he would say that about everything, and I love that man. He's the one that brought me to Christ. He's the reason why I'm here today. But but I remember this message. It wasn't just from him, but it was this message in the Christian culture is that there's this division. There's this uh, you versus us, there's Christianity, there's non-Christianity, there's 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 Christian, there's worldly, there's secular, there's sacred. And I remember that being imprinted in my heart so much so I had a hard time even watching TV, or watching sports. Unless it didn't glorify and worship God. And I remember I had to kind of tell myself, oh, I'm watching the football game because I know that, you know, when they get that touchdown, they're going to worship God. And so, therefore, it's approved. I can watch it. And, And I remember I'm looking back. I'm like, that's so ridiculous. But at the same time, not much has changed that right now that there is this divisiveness saying that if you're not Christian, then you're on the outside. If you don't claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you're on the outside. There's us versus them. There's sacred and there's holy. And and what Paul is saying, and what we're going to get into just a little bit more, is that the way that we become united, the way that we Proclaim and preach the good news is actually to get rid of this sacred versecular. secular. See, when he talks about preaching the good news, he uses the word. Well, in the Greek, it's euangelion, which means good news. And so, anytime the New Testament says uh, Paul wants to talk about the gospel wants to preach the gospel, wants to share the gospel. The gospel is a Latin word, uh, and in the Greek, they translated that, or the Latin uh, language translated the Greek, "euangelion," meaning the good news. So if anyone says the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of John, it's, you can interpret that as the good news of, of these writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, the good news of Jesus that brings to the world and so when Paul says, I have this good news to share with everybody, it's talking about Evangelion, the person of Jesus, and how, and how Jesus has transformed his life, and that's good news to everybody. And I've said this before, if what you proclaim and what you live and what you teach as a Christian isn't good news for everybody, it's not good news at all. And so Paul says, I'm here to preach the gospel. This was his mission. This was his purpose. He was called to the Gentiles, the unbelievers, those that would not claim to be followers of Jesus. <clears throat> and he says this. His 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I love how Paul continues in verse 14. So verse 20 is kind of the the end goal. He's saying, I want to preach the gospel, the good news, because the good news is for everybody. The message of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, uh, there's a universality in it. Okay, don't be confused by universalism. That's, That's a whole different issue. I'm not talking about that. But this gospel, this good news is available for everybody. And, and, and my desire and my hope, what Paul is saying is, this is what I want to do. And, and then if that's his goal, he says, here's how I'm going to do it. First and foremost, verse 14, I'm convinced, Paul says, that, my, that you, the Christians, the followers already, uh, are full of goodness. I love how he kind of softens it up a bit when he teaches to the already converted, the Christians. And he's trying to build this bridge by saying, hey, you know what? I know that you guys are so knowledgeable, so competent. He says, I know that you're filled with goodness. And what he's essentially is is saying is that I know that you already that have considered yourself Christians or followers of Jesus, you have an element of spiritual maturity already. He says, you guys have the competency to instruct one another. Paul is affirming uh, in this, Christian, this newly Christian church, a bite being new, Paul is saying, you know what? I can see that there's a level of spiritual maturity that lies within you. And he said because of that spiritual maturity, here's what needs to happen. Verse 20 needs to happen. If you consider yourself uh, uh, a follower of Jesus and, and, and developing in your spiritual maturity, verse 20 has to happen. Within that understanding of Jesus is, we must share it and invite other people into that life. And then the first 15, he says, yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace of God, uh, because of the grace God gave me. In verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. There's a lot that's happening here. Paul is talking to the newly converted Christians, predominantly Jewish Christians. And, and, and I don't have time to unpack the historicity uh, again, but remember there's quite the division because of the expulsion of the, Roman, uh, the Jewish Christians uh, in the 49 A.D., Uh, And now they're returned, and now there's conflict between the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And Paul is primarily speaking to the Jewish Christians. And what's ironic about verse 16, he uses these words like, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. So that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See what Paul is doing? He's using language and vocabulary and ideas and even theology of what the Jewish Christians would understand due to uh, their Jewish understanding of God. And what's ironic is that he specific. This was no accident. Paul does not write in accidents. This was very bold. This was very courageous, and he's being very clear. He's saying, "Yes, you guys are incredible people. You guys are spiritually mature. You guys are competent and knowledgeable, and filled with goodness. Uh, and because of that, it's important for you to preach the gospel." But listen to this. In order for you to understand how to preach. And had to share the good news and had to invite everybody. He says, verse 16 and 17. He uses Jewish vocabulary and language to speak about the Gentiles. See, this was a time where there was division. There was either you're Jewish or you're an outsider. That's it. Either you belong to the nation of Israel, Judaism, uh, just like that's the sacred. Just like for us, oftentimes there's this division. Either you're a Christian or you're out. It's me versus you. This is not new. In the first century, this was huge. This was even bigger. That if you were not considered Jewish, then you were just second-class citizens. You were outside the realm of God's love and God's salvation. And what Paul is doing right here, using the language that they would understand, is saying, guess what? The Gentiles also are in and again, if you've missed it several weeks before today, that's what Romans is essentially all about. The book of Romans is saying that there must be unity in the Christian faith, even though you, various people might come from different places with even different theologies. And what Paul is saying, look, Jewish Christians... You are spiritually mature, you are growing, you are filled with goodness, and you want to preach the gospel. You want to share with others the good news of Jesus, how Jesus has changed your life. But you have to do one thing. You have to understand, Paul's pressing into this. Paul's pressing into this. You have to understand there's there's no more, there's no such thing as sacred and secular. There's no more us versus them. There's no Jews. There's no Gentiles. Everyone is one through the person of Jesus. And Paul writes this in uh, the, the book of Galatians. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free. Nor there is male or female, for all for all are one in Christ. For all are one. In Christ. So therefore, now we go back to verse 17 and 19. He says, therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Verse 19. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. And this is significant. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Elikram, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition, again, now we get to 20, to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. He's saying a lot of things here in verse 17 uh, through 19. And the biggest point is, Get rid of the separation. If you want to preach the gospel, if you want to share with others what Christ has done in your life, we must not consider others as the other. We must not consider us versus them. We must not consider people projects. We must consider them as brothers and sisters, as someone that needs to hear not with authority, but as a witness of what Christ has done in your life. And and I love this where the, the, the Jewish way during this time is to have a resume, and Paul even talks about his own resume of, look, here's what I've done, here's what I've accomplished, and what Paul's saying, get rid of that. No matter who you are, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, just share your story. That's it. Make people curious about who you are, why you behave the way you behave, and out of that curiosity, will you answer the question? That's because Jesus has worked in your life. And the boasting that we do, the bragging that we do, the things that we talked about how our lives change, really ultimately has nothing to do with our own efforts and our own strength, but it's purely by the grace of God. And it's out of that we share with others. I love how he says, "From Jerusalem all the way to uh, Illyricum." See Jerusalem was home base. Jerusalem was where the Jews felt comfortable. That's where all their family was, friends were, their own type of people, until so they felt comfortable. And yet Paul says, Yeah, so go from Jerusalem all the way to uh, Illyricum, which is a Gentile city in Macedonia. And it's a city that if you are Jewish, you would avoid. And what Paul is saying is take your story and don't just put it and keep it in this homogenous place, but you go outside of your comfort zone, wherever it is. Maybe it's your work or your job or uh, your clubs or your gyms or wherever it is. Take your story, share your story, and invite other people into that story. Now, believe me, what I'm not saying is that wherever you go, just say, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, and you have to understand, again, weeks before, we've talked about building this bridge. For many of us, we're very good at building bridges. The gospel, the good news, is all about bridge building. What does it mean to love our neighbors? What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to be sacrificial? What does it mean to give? What does it mean to be generous? What does it mean to be hospitable? We must do that. We must love our neighbors. We must invite reconciliation within division. We must understand the issues of homelessness, of racism, of our systems, our our corruption, all that. We need to be a part of that. We need to be part of the solution in that. We need to give in that. And therefore, we build a bridge. Now we need to cross it and say, it's not because of me. It's not because I'm such an amazing person, though many of us are. It's because we're convinced that this is the way of Jesus and this is what Jesus has called me to do. And and this takes a lot of courage and and it makes it uncomfortable. But it's our responsibility as followers to build bridges, which we've talked about weeks after weeks after weeks, and then to cross it. And to say it's because Jesus has changed my life. And, and it's not, uh, you know, by way of being in your own circles. Because you can't do that in your own circles. You have to go to places like Illyricum. And, and even what Paul says, I don't even want to preach to current Christians. I want to go out into the world and share with them what Jesus has done. So it's important for us to build bridges. You know, like I love the communities that I have developed even outside of the church. I love how, and I'm not patting myself on the back again because what I have to brag about is not what I've done, but how God is working through me even through my own errors and mistakes. For those of you that know that I, you know, I love, you know, I'm talking about someone every week because it is part of my other life, okay? Like I, I'm a coach at a CrossFit gym. And people there, again, I don't know what they think of me at all, uh, always. I, I love them. They're my tribe. They're my people. Not all of them are followers of Jesus, and, and that's okay. I'm going to love them no matter what. But I love how I get questions about faith, about Jesus. And, and I wonder if that would have happened... Uh, If I never built bridges, and if I just came into the gym and I said, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, I wonder if that curiosity would have been spurred, and I don't think it would have. Even last week, I'm having coffee. Uh, As a joke, my friend came up to me and said, you're like the chaplain to CrossFit people around Seattle, Uh, and I don't know actually if that's true or not, but I I do know that I've met a lot of people I meet in CrossFit. It's not even at the gym. It's over coffee. Just last week, I met with a friend, of, a friend of a friend of the gym. He doesn't even go to the gym, but he's a friend of the, someone in there, asked me to meet with him. So we had coffee last week. It's been crazy how God uses all of us to share our stories when we're willing to be bold and courageous to cross that bridge. And so the way that we do it at, at Bethany, the way that we think is a powerful way to do it and to invite others, it, it's literally invite others. The, our church has many, many small groups, uh, and it's, it's just people doing life together. It's about people getting a better grasp of who Christ is, how how Christ has affected their lives, and how to take that into the world. Because there is no us versus them; we all live in the same world. And and so, my hope and desire is that as we even live into this life, that we would even invite people into that group, that even this group would go out into our neighborhoods to build bridges to serve and to love and to be sacrificial so that we can pique curiosity, so that we can answer that curiosity. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it comes in that order. Through relationships. Through building the bridge. My hope for all of us at Bethany is that we would work so hard And building that bridge of piquing curiosity, but not just stay there, but to cross over and to invite people into that community. And so just for a moment here, I'm just going to hand it over to uh, Ashley. I'm going to invite her back. She's uh, one of our pastors. She oversees not only family ministries, uh, but also community life, particularly small groups. Uh, And she's just going to Share with you, and other people are going to share with all of us uh, how this community, how this invitation, how going into the world, inviting people from the, all that changes people's lives. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Prentice. Um, I just wanted to take a minute and chat with a few of my friends and fellow small group leaders. Um, and so, I'm going to invite a couple of them forward. First, I'm going to ask if Andrew Holloway would join me on stage and have a little chat at this bistro table with me. Um, Andrew and his wife Stephanie lead a group on Wednesdays. Um, and when my husband and I first started coming to Bethany a few years ago, um, we decided to just kind of dive in and make new friends. I was from Alabama, just moved to Seattle, and trying to figure it out, and so we just randomly showed up at their house and have become really great friends with their family and um, have forged a bond with them that will last a lifetime. Um, So that's my story in regards to that, but I want to give Andrew an opportunity. Um, Andrew, how long have you guys been involved in leading small groups, and why is that important to you and your family?
2: Thanks, Ashley. Um, Stephanie and I have attended small groups for 10 years total. We've been coming to Bethany for seven, and um, we've led a small group for about the last six years. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the time frame of it. But I would say the thing that that keeps us leading the group and initially got us attending a group is just that that's really our... A lot of things that Prentice mentioned, that's really our, our faith community, our spiritual community where... Um, when we've gone through struggles, we, we've been able to pray together as a group. When other families have gone through struggles, we've been able to pray and, and follow up and serve and all that stuff. And, um, and and I'll say one other thing that's been really cool that I've been thinking a lot of lately is uh, we, we have two kids, Stephanie and I do, um, and it's been awesome to see the rhythm of having a small group—you know, every week, every Wednesday night—we meet at our house—just um, affect their lives uh, because they they expect to just be be around some of their their church friends. Um, it's not a great term, but they're some of their friends um, every Wednesday night. So, uh, and it's been cool to see them grow up that way. So, um,
1: in the time that you guys have been leading a small group, is there a story or a moment that has been really impactful? for you that um, maybe would encourage other people?
2: Yeah, great. I mean, you know, in that time frame, too, too many to mention, but um, Ashley asked me to, to think about this a little bit yesterday. And the thing that came, came to mind was that we had a family that um, went through some struggles, uh, you know, spiritual struggles, um, family struggles, and and just they weren't able to, to plug into church or, or the group um, for about a year. And... Um, and you know we kept checking in on them and stuff but you know all of a sudden one one Wednesday night they just they just showed up and uh after a year and uh our group was like oh this is awesome welcome back you know and i was just so that was such a great moment of of no like hey you know no shame or guilt or anything put on them it was just like welcome back you know it was just really a kingdom moment for for me um because that you know that group uh had strayed and uh, gone through some stuff, and um, glad that they were they felt comfortable to plug back in um, so yeah I
1: yeah. love that too, just because it's it's like there's no time limit on doing life together like you don't have to really be in this group from fall to spring. You can just be with people throughout the life throughout your life and um, this is a great way to just kind of jump start um, being able to tell your story, being able to to learn about who God is and how to grow deeper with him. And, um, yeah, so I would encourage you, if you are free on Wednesday nights, they host a small group. Um, Right now you guys are finishing up James, right, and um, are going to jump into a book after that. So um, this is a great time for you guys to join. Andrew and his wife Stephanie will be downstairs if you want to chat with them after. So thanks, Andrew, for sharing. Yeah. Um, I also want to invite another friend of mine, Jen Powell, forward. She's right here in the front. Can't see her, but awesome. Um, Jen, uh, when I first moved to Seattle, again, uh, fun story, Jen happened to, I, I sat next to her in church and was like, hi, are you new here? And she was like, No, I've been going here forever. <laughs> so um, she and I ended up living a few blocks away from each other, and we're able to just go on walks in the afternoon and um, do life together outside of Sunday mornings, which is awesome. And Jen is a, a great friend, and she actually hosts a couple of small groups—one um, for women um sorry guys um and then another for everyone all ages stages abilities um it's a prayer group on the last thursday of each or the fourth thursday of each month which sometimes is the last one so um jen how long have you been around and leading groups and then uh just why is it important for you to to be a part of a group outside of a sunday
3: so um to clarify, I don't consider myself a group leader. Um, I started going to Bethany West in I think 2010. It was about a year after they had started, and it took me a while to get plugged in. I started with service groups first, and um, it it did serve a purpose. I mean, it was it was wonderful because I got to know people. But uh, it was about three years before I actually started with the South End group, and. It was exactly what I had wanted. It was um, just relationship and community and the girlfriends that I'd always wanted in my entire life. And it was wonderful. And uh, since then, um, it's be- it's kind of morphed from West Seattle and South End. So I just happen to be centrally located, which kind of makes me a great coordinator for being there. But we're all kind of leaders to it. And um, even the prayer group, I think, is just, it's, just using my house. It's everybody coming together and just joining together, and I think that's just the wonderful part of taking our church and making it last outside of Sunday. And so it gets to be all week long.
1: Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, in In your time that you've been a part of groups, is there an impactful moment or a story that, I mean, I'm sure there are tons, but is there something that you can share with us that could encourage us as we move forward?
3: So this was... A couple years after I'd started with the uh, South End group. I went through a very tough time about two years ago. You were part of that group at that point, and uh, you guys just came together. It wasn't even on one of our regular groups, our group nights. Uh, You came together, you called me over, and it was just, you loved on me, and you supported me, and you brought me through it, and God used you guys in such an amazing way that it was, it made it so much easier to get through that really, really hard struggle. And not only the group, which was wonderful. I mean, you guys handled me, my emotions and everything like that, but even the rest of the people in the church came together and helped me, um, with logistical things that I had to go through. And it was just, I mean, it was amazing that the church just comes together and it's, it's pretty wonderful.
1: Thank you so much, Jen. Um, Jen will also be downstairs hanging out while we eat pancakes. She has a great name tag on, as will a lot of our group leaders downstairs. So if you have a question about groups, um, want to get plugged in, um, find somebody with a name tag, they will be happy to direct you. But um, just kind of along the lines of what Jen says as the band kind of makes their way back forward. Unless you you good? Oh, Prentice is going to make his way back forward, too. But um, just along those lines, um, it's more than just, uh, you know, meeting together, reading a book each week, whatever. It's it's about doing life with people. It's about sharing the depths of your heart, the depths of your story, the really hard parts. We've talked about this for weeks, and it comes up a lot, um, how God uh, and community looks different when you can be authentically you um, there. And These are opportunities for you guys to be authentically you, to be loved, to learn more about how to love others the way that Christ loves you. So um, I'm going to invite Prentice back up. Um, I do want to encourage you to, after service, go downstairs, eat pancakes, lots of them. And um, there are group signups. Talk to a group leader. Um, Come find me. I would love to chat with you more about groups. Thanks.
0: Leaders, a round of applause. There's a lot a lot of groups that I would love for you to consider and as we uh, as a worship team helps us in our time of response there's just a few things I just want to close with Paul teaches us to just one just get out of our comfort zones get out of your comfort zone maybe for you that comfort zone is being part of a community joining one being curious about Christ Maybe on the other side, your comfort zone is being within uh, the church or or maybe your faith, keeping it confined on a Sunday morning. Get uncomfortable. My challenge for you, and and really it's the challenge from Paul uh, from Romans, is this. For the places that we've built a bridge, could we cross that? by sharing and inviting others to what you have experienced. And so the prayer for many of us is this. It's a very dangerous and kind of scary and intimidating prayer, but it's, God, will you open up doors and conversations where I can speak and boast of your name? God, will you open up and will you create conversations with people that I've built bridges with already and give me the courage to speak of why and what and who I believe? Get outside your comfort zone. Have courage. Share your story. Share your story. That's it. And invite others to that same journey. I just, you know, this week when I was watching Netflix, I saw this documentary about this festival called FIRE, FIRE Festival. And and, and it's not for everybody, but it's just this... Oh, so you've seen it. (laughs) What's really interesting about that... There's a sociological component to it, obviously, is that there's this promise that if you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if you look this way, there's beautiful people here, there's beautiful people there. If you come to this party, your life will be so fulfilled. You are promised so much fun and so much fulfillment and so much just joy in whatever capacity. And what they find out is they came and everything was a lie it was just tense and and run, everything was run down and and nothing was as it was promised and, and i felt like that is such a metaphor for our own lives we fall into this trap is that if we look a certain way, if we do a certain thing if we, if we have this much money or have these possessions and life will be so good and, and many of us we fall into this trap and for those of us that have been compelled and have been transformed by the love of Jesus, we know that that just simply isn't true and so where and who are the people in our lives that we can speak truth to that we can speak truth to in love, with love, because of love. That true joy, true transformation, true healing comes from nothing else, nobody else, but the person of Jesus because of his life, death, and resurrection for us. Let's pray, God, will you this week create and open up doors of conversation with those that we've already built trust with and relationship with, that we can speak of your name and your name alone. Give us the courage, give us the desire, give us the willingness to boast of you and the ways that you worked in our lives and the story that you have authored in our own lives. May we be a witness, not just with our words, but the way we act, the way we love, the way we treat others. And may all of that connect. Thank you, we worship you. In your name we pray.